sir. Man, God is good. And all the time, you want to hold your Bible in your hands, lift it up real high. If you're reading from your iPhone, lift it up. Sometimes a little higher. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Man, the early service was just fire. It was phenomenal. It was, it was crazy. Miracles, instant healings. And we have one quick testimony for you. I asked her to stay and give a testimony, and then she'll hit the road. Amen. Jabu, you want to come quickly? Can I have the microphone? She's going to share her testimony real quick. She got a healing, and uh, we'll get into the word. Amen. Okay. Greetings in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yeah, the waters were stayed up this morning, and I jumped in, and I thank God for my healing. That's right. Um, when the pastor called out for prayer, I came and... Um, Sarah prayed for me. I mentioned that I, I once had a problem with my knees about four years ago. Right. Um, it was a serious problem, but I got my healing. Amen. But early uh, this year, it was threatening. In fact, a few weeks ago, it was threatening to come back. The pain was threatening to come back. So when I came to the front, it was for the knees. But while Sarah was praying, I remember that I have a pain. In fact, it's been so constant that I forget I have it. So I have a pain on my foot, such that when I drive, it's such a problem. The pain is too much, and long distances are worse. So I remembered after she prayed that, you know, I have a pain on my foot. Can you just pray for that as well? And then when I went back to my seat, we started praising. The pain was not gone in instantly, but when I was praising God at, at, um, back at my seat, the pain stopped. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. I'm healed. And thank you, Jesus. I really thank God for yeah. such a powerful, the, the power of God that is in this place. And Amen. I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm healed. I'm totally healed. The knee pains are never coming back. I'm whole. I'm yes. made whole. Yes. Amen. God is good. Jesus is good. Amen. And I think Denzel prayed for someone yesterday. You want to share that real quick? Amen. 30 seconds. Amen. Praise God. God is so good. Yes, sir. Uh, this morning, we, we, in our earlier service, we had one of the brothers, uh, Jerry, uh, come to the front. And literally, you know, all the, the only thing that flowed through my mind was, it's not us. It's God. Right. It's not our performance, but it's Jesus' performance That's this morning. Right. And, you know, I asked the brother, you know what, are you saved? And he was like, yes, yes, I'm saved. And I said, uh, no, well, what is the problem? And he says, no, his back has been paining. So I said, right, do you believe that God can do this for you? He says, yes. And, you know, the excitement started to stir up in me. I could feel it as well. And I laid my head on his back. And as I started praying, I felt something shift in his back. And I, I like, shocked. I, I stopped. And I said, did you, did you feel that? Because, you know, and he says, yes, I felt that. I said, how do you feel? And I took him outside and I asked him, you know, to just bend, wow. check if, you, if you're okay. He says he's good. So probably we'll have him here next Praise week. God. And he'll share that awesome testimony. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just thank him for about 10 seconds. Father, we thank you that your power is real. We thank you for your healing power. Father, we thank you ah, that we walk in divine health. Father, we thank you that this is a no-pain zone. This is a pain-free zone. 
Father, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last week we were talking about redemption. And in fact, the past three weeks we've been talking about uh, redemption and how we are redeemed. And the title of the series has been, I Am Redeemed. And in the first week we talked about how we are redeemed from sin. Amen. When we approach God, we do not approach Him in our own effort. It is called works. Nothing stops the power of God quicker than your, your self-effort. In fact, he looks at it and he says, it is as uh, filthy rags. You know, when you try to do it in your own strength, it's as filthy rags. Your righteousness is as filthy rags to God. But when you put your trust in Jesus' works, the finished work of the cross, that is what is called grace. Unmerited, unearned favor. He washes away your sins for no fee. Amen? And we discovered last week also that we were redeemed from poverty. How many of you know that poverty is not a blessing? We read the scripture last week that said the, 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 the strong city, the rich man's wealth is a strong city and the destruction of the poor is their poverty. Poverty destroys people. It destroys dreams. It destroys families. In fact, the number one reason why people divorce is finances. So if you don't understand how finances work, you're going to be in trouble, particularly connecting to the grace of prosperity that God has made available in His kingdom. Yeah. Amen? Amen? And when we finished preaching that uh, and giving and offerings and how to be faithful and so man, I started getting testimonies. Uh, um, my brother here gave me a testimony of how, you know, when he graduated and got a job, he decided to take over, you know, the sending of school of all his other siblings. And while he was being faithful with his finances and letting God use him to minister to others. Remember last week we discovered that money is a tool to change people's lives. When God blesses you with money, it is not so that you can indulge every lustful desire that you have. Amen? Amen. It is not to uh, uh, build a house with 33 bedrooms. Well, you can build a house with 33 bedrooms, but how many bedrooms do you need to really sleep? Amen? You have to get to a point where you're content, right? The real reason why God gives you money is so you can touch people's lives. And when you touch people's lives, He will give you a house with 33 bedrooms. Amen? Amen. If you are giving to get so you can buy a Porsche, you're not going to buy the Porsche. But if you are giving to get so you can give again, you are going to drive a Porsche by accident. Amen? Amen? So He came and He was sharing with me. He said, Pastor T., uh, this is what I've been doing. I put through all, the, all of them into school. And God has blessed me. In fact, when we were talking, I was saying, I'm just finishing paying off my apartment in four ways. And today, as we were talking in the parking lot, you were saying, today I'm going to see another property in uh, Broad Acres that I want to buy. And God has been blessing me financially. You know why? Because He's a giver. If you are not a, a giver, what you have in your hands is everything you ever have. But if you know that what you have in your hands is not enough, turn it into a seed and it will become a harvest. Amen? So that was an awesome uh, uh, testimony. We got another testimony as well as we were leaving. Uh, Larry, uh, someone stopped the car while he was walking around in Broad Acres and just said, hey, God has impressed upon my heart to give you a scholarship to come to our business school. And I think he started going to that school two weeks ago. And I mean, God is just doing all these phenomena. The lady even said to him, I don't usually do this. I don't stop and talk to strangers. You are the first person that I have given a scholarship to. You know why? Because when you are a giver, God will even use a a raven 
You know, a, an animal with a ravenous spirit, a greedy spirit, yep. to heap up food for you yep. at the brook sharing. Yep. God will use the unlikely people to bless you. Amen. Amen? Amen. And just this morning as I finished praying, you know, uh, one of the brothers came and said, Pastor, I I had applied for a job at this gold mine. You prayed last week for people that wanted uh, new jobs and promotion. I had almost given up on this application. They called me and they said, let's meet on Wednesday for an interview. Amen. Amen. So he's going to get his job and God... Is, he said in his word last week, if you're faithful with the least, yeah. you'll be faithful with much. Yeah. And then he said, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon or in dealing with worldly riches, yeah. who will entrust to you the true riches? Some of you are struggling with entry-level faithfulness and you are hurting yourself trying to believe God for the bigger things. Yeah. It's like pulling teeth because you can't trust God in the little, right? If you can't count from zero up to nine, forget ever going into calculus. If you, can, if you have not mastered the alphabet from A up to Z, forget going into literature and writing books. And the elementary in the area of faithfulness is finances. The least use of your faith in the kingdom is when it comes to money. Amen? And today we are moving right along, talking about how we are redeemed from sickness. Someone shout, I'm redeemed from all sickness. How many of you know that sickness is not a blessing from the Lord? God does not. Someone say, does not. He does not use sickness to teach His children. It is not God who's putting sickness on your children to try and get your attention. Well, I grew up in a church where they say that. You know, if you had a, an incurable disease, they would say, man, God looked from the pinnacles of heaven and saw that you were the one who could carry this load. And he put it on you. So, brother, when you have an incurable disease, it means you have a strong faith because God thought you could handle it. You won't find that in Scripture. When God wants to teach his children, he uses the word. It is Satan, the Bible says in John 10, verse 10, it is Satan who comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I came that you might have what? Life and have it how? More abundance. See, when you are sick, there is no abundance. The enemy is stealing your time because you're going to have to check in for sick leave, right? And use those days you could have gone on vacation to nurse a sickness. You will steal your money because you're going to have to pay for doctor's bills. I was counseling with a couple a few years ago, and I was talking to them and asking them, man, what's going on, you know, with your finances and uh, God blessing you? And they said, man, our children are always sick. And I said, man, why? They said, we don't know. They're always sick, and we're always at the doctor, to the point that the doctor had to tell them, hey, when your child gets sick again, please don't bring them here. Because if you bring them here, I'm going to have to charge you. And he told them, you are too fearful. And some of the things you are bringing your children here is not even sickness. It's just a little, you know, glitch along the way. And they were taking their children all the time and paying, you know, uh, consultation fees. What are they called? Consult fees. You're paying all the time. And we calculated the consult fees they were paying. Man, it was a vacation in Dubai at a five-star hotel. Sickness steals your money. It's not a blessing. 
So quit thinking that sickness is a blessing. And quit with the thinking that God might be using sickness to get your attention. It's a trick of the devil. Let's go to, uh, where did I tell you to go? John? Did I tell you to go to any scripture? You should have seen it in the spirit, right? <laughs> Matthew chapter number 8, verse 16. Is this good so far? Matthew chapter number 8, verse 16. Our standard is Jesus. Let's find out what Jesus says. When evening was come, evening was come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word, and healed how many? Oh. I didn't hear that. Oh. He healed all of them who were sick. Amen? And if it's God's will for you to be sick, so he can teach you a lesson, Jesus just interrupted the class. Or the lecture. Right? <laughs> he went and healed people that should have been learning through the process of sickness. No, Jesus is the opposite of sickness. He is life. Yeah. Not sickness and disease. Watch what he says in verse uh, 17. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself, Jesus himself, took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Where did he say that? Let's go to Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Isaiah 53, from verse 4 and 5. We're going to be quick today, and we will heal uh, those that are in need of healing Amen. at the end of the service. Amen. Amen. It's going to be good. Uh, Isaiah 53, from verse 4. Surely, not there is a good chance. Surely, it's a sure thing, right? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Next verse. But he was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. In other words, Jesus has already paid the price for sickness. There is no need for you. Just like he paid the price for sin. And that there is no longer need for you to live in sin. Just like he paid the price for poverty. And that there is no longer any need for you to live anymore in lack. He also paid the price for sickness. And when sickness attacks, you need to claim this scripture. With his stripes. He already took the stripes so that you might have divine health. How many of you know that divine health is better than divine healing? Because divine healing means you need to get sick first and then get divine healing. But divine health means you're always at the top. And God wants you to be at the place. Go with me to 3 John verse 2. 3 John verse 2. Thank you, Jesus. 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. Watch what it says. Beloved, I pray... That you may prosper in all things and be in what? I didn't hear that. This was John's prayer. If you read it in the King James Bible. Give it to me in the King James Bible actually. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things. I wish above everything. That you may prosper. How come he didn't say, Beloved, I wish above everything that you may struggle. That you may just soldier on through this life. Sooner or later, in the sweet by and by. In the sweet by and by, right? 
The sweet by and by, when we get to heaven, it will all get better. No, he says, beloved, I wish above everything that you may prosper right now. Because when you don't prosper, it does not glorify God. You know, when you keep your phone on silent because they're going to be calling you, looking for their money, when you block certain numbers because you can't receive their... Man, it doesn't glorify God. He says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in hell, even as thy soul prospers, or to the degree that your soul prospers. See, if you don't prosper in your soul, if you still have somewhere at the back of your mind this thought that this sickness might be from God, you're not going to prosper. You prosper to the degree. That's your soul. Man, if you still have some in your mind, oh man, I, I don't need all of this prosperity. And in fact, people who say that are selfish because they don't realize money is not for them. If someone says, Pastor, I'm okay. I don't need any more than what I have right now. It's a, it's a selfish mindset. It's a mindset that says, when God gives me money, it's for me. But when God gives you things, it's not for you. So you, man, you ever need more supply. You know why? Because as long as there are sick kids who can't afford medication, as long as there are kids who can't pay school fees, it is your duty, my duty, to look after that. And if you can't do it where you are, you better believe God for more. As long as there are people who have not heard the gospel, it's your duty, my duty, to get some of that money so we can publish the gospel into those areas. But if you are just thinking about your rent, man, how small-minded can you be? Man, if you, you think Bill Gates thinks about rent? Man, he's thinking about eradicating what? Hunger. They say, asked him, they said, what's your goal? He says, my goal is to eradicate hunger before I leave the earth. What's your goal? Pastor, my goal is to buy a C-class. Man, how small-minded can you be? <laughs> he said, my goal is to make sure that every child is within the radius of three kilometers from water in the world. Before I check out, I want to make sure I fix this. Every millionaire, you ask them what's your dream. Their dream is to impact someone else's life. You wonder why God keeps giving them resources. It is because of a shift in their mindset. You prosper to the degree that your soul prospers. He says, I wish above everything that you may prosper... And be in good health, even as your soul prospers. That word even means to the degree that your soul prospers. So you're going to have to straighten out your thinking. And start thinking big. How many of you know that God is a miracle working God? And that he does his miracles through you. Here's another area we need to fix our mindset. God does not use the big short apostles only. God uses everybody. See, in the kingdom of God, this is what we always say in this church. The church is not a cruise ship where you are waiting to be served. The church is a battleship, all hands on deck. You know what that means? That means all of us in here are soldiers. Let me prove it to you. Go to Mark chapter number 16, verse 17. Mark 16, verse 17. And these signs shall follow those who what? Believe. I didn't hear that. Believe. 
What do we call people who believe? Believe. How many believers do I have in the house today? Almost all of us, right? And watch what signs should follow you. And not you following the signs. Oh, I heard this prophet is doing miracles, so I'm going to follow them around. Just follow. No. You're already out of scripture. He says all you have to do is to be uh, 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 consumed or to be obsessed with just being who you are, a believer. All you have to do is to embrace that identity that I'm a believer. That's all you have to do. And these things will follow you. Someone shout, I'm a believer. And these signs follow me. Because of who I am. A believer. Man, these things will follow you without any effort. They'll just follow you because God said they'll follow you. Notice he didn't say, these signs shall follow those who believe after a 40 day fast and a, a, a night vigil. And a midnight prayer, you know, they woke up and prayed from 12 midnight to 1.30 a.m. where the witches are flying around the, you know what they say. In <laughs> he says, after that, then these signs will follow. No, he says, all they have to do is believe on Jesus Christ. And if they believe on Jesus Christ, these signs will follow them. This sign is following you. What signs? He tells you. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. Hunt your neighbor and tell them, I'm a demon caster. Tell them, I'm a demon casting machine. <laughs> when I was flying to, what do they call people who cast out demons? The other word? Exorcists. Exorcists. So I was flying to Atlanta the one time and I was sitting next to this Christian woman, but she was the... Uh, I don't know what they call them. They wear black and white with uh, black badges. Uh, Mormon. She was a Mormon. So she's trying to preach to me about Mormonism. I think that's what it's called, right? And she said, what do you do? And I thought, man, this is going to be a big one. I said, man, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an exorcist. <laughs> you should have seen her face. <laughs> said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm an exorcist. <laughs> How many of you know that we are all exorcists? We cast out devils. Amen? said, I'm an exorcist. And she said, man, I know some people with demons. You should come and cast them over. I said, I'll be glad to do. All you have today is pay for my ticket and I'll come and cast them out. But she didn't realize this revelation that if you're a believer, you're an exorcist. You cast out devils. And in fact, it follows you. Some of you might not like the title, but unfortunately, if you're a believer... You have the power, watch this, you have the authority to tell demons to go. Puma, in Jesus' name, and what do they do? They go. He's already given you that authority. Not to counsel them. Did you see? Since believers shall have the power to cast them out. Not talk to them and have a conversation. Where did you come from? What are you here to do? What's your name? I didn't say that. He said, cast them out. Did you see it? Because yeah. we always say the devil is a what? Is a liar. So if you ask it, where did you come from? What guarantee do you have? That is going to tell you the truth. It's probably going to lie to you, right? He says, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Man, we pray in tongues all the time. We believe in praying in tongues. Next verse. Watch what happens. 
They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly, if they drink anything deadly, did you see that? If they drink anything deadly, coffee included, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. Who, who, who are these people? How many believers do I have? Watch what he said. He said believers will lay hands on the sick. He didn't even say believers will pray for the sick. Did you see it? He said believers will lay hands on the sick. And what will happen to the sick? He says when the believers lay hands on the sick, the sick shall recover. Give it to me in the King James Bible. It's, it's, there's a legal term I want you to see there. He says... They, will, they shall lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall. It's H-A-L-L. It's a legal term. It means there is no other way, but this is what's happening. Yeah. They shall recover. When a believer lays hands on the sick, the sick shall recover. Amen. You know, I was uh, preaching in uh, Southern California, and I prayed, laid hands on this woman, and I didn't do it as a pastor. I didn't do it as someone who's gifted to lay hands on the sick, uh, uh, you know, the gift of healing. I just did it as a believer. How many of you know that before you become a general in the army, you have to become a soldier first? Yeah. I did this one because I was just a believer. And she had problems, and I got this testimony last week. Let me read it out to you uh, from one of the leaders. Uh, Pastor, Diane continues to maintain a healing which you facilitated when you were here. I like this. He said, the healing which you facilitated. All you are doing is facilitate the connection between God's power and the person who's sick. God is looking for something, uh, we call it a conductor, a, con a conduit. He just wants you to use the power. Because you are already connected to the life of God. And he wants you to just lay hands on something and it comes alive. Man, you need to practice laying hands on things and they come alive. Yeah. If flowers at your house dry up, lay hands on them and just transmit the power. Come alive in Jesus' name. And watch what happens. When people get sick around you, don't recommend Mr. Strong. What is it called? Grandpa. You are a believer. The first thing you say is, Grandpa, ah, can I get you some Grandpa? No, let me lay hands on you. And release the life of God into them as a believer. So there's a lie that has stopped the power of God flowing in the church for so long. And that lie is that healing and praying for the sick is only restricted to the chosen frozen. You know, the bishop, the you know, right reverend doctor. No, this is for all believers. You could not know. Man, if you didn't know Jesus Christ at, uh, what time is this, 11.35? And we make you pray the believer's prayer at 11.36. By 11.37, you can do this. No prayer, no fasting, nothing. Just because you are a believer, when you lay hands on the sick, they recover. Let me read this. Let me read this to you. What happened? Diane continues to maintain a healing which you facilitated when you were here. The L4, L5 disc issue. I don't even know what that is. She recently shared a testimony with her chiropractor. The doctor completely embraced this supernatural healing, telling Diane that as a child, his parents took him to a healing service. He went in with warts covering his hands, and he left with all the warts gone. Amen. There is a thing called supernatural healing, and it's real. Amen. And it's about time 
all of us believers start using the power of God that is on the inside of us. He said you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Pastor T, what, what if, I'm, if I'm in sin? God is not concerned. He will deal with your sin issue later. He will deal with you later. At the head office, at the headmaster's office, right? <laughs> but God is so concerned with his people and the people that need healing, he could even use, he will use anything. He will use anything that's available. The Bible says his eyes go to and fro looking for someone that he can show his goodness through. God wants to minister to his people. And if he has to use a donkey to do it, he will do it. Because God is concerned with the people. He loves the people so much, he will use anyone that will say, I am available. It's not for the chosen frozen. So the reason why many have not seen healings and signs and wonders is because we thought this was for the... You know, just two weeks ago, Dillian called me with a testimony. A helper, uh, I went to pray for Greg because he wasn't feeling well at the time. And as I was walking out, he helper said, Hey, I also need prayer. And I said, Prayer for what? She said, uh, I just said a stillborn and the doctors are saying, You know, my womb can't hold a baby. You know, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to have my child again. You know, and I said, well, what do you want? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to have a child? She says, yes, I want to be healed and I want to have a child. What kind of a child? She said, I want to have a boy. And I said, let's touch and agree. And I touched it and we agreed. No long prayer. Just touched and I said, man, I agree with you that God's healing is taking effect right now. And I spoke to the body. Body, I command you. That's what you must always do. Speak to the mountain. Don't talk to God about the mountain. He says, whosoever shall say to the mountain... Be thou removed and be cast into the sea and shall believe in his heart and not doubt. He shall have what? Whatsoever he says. Speak to the body and tell it what you want it to do. So I commanded the body to line up with God's word and the body to be healed. And then two weeks ago, Dillian called me and said, hey, she has had a baby. Bouncing baby boy. Five kgs strong. Amen. Amen. And God can do it through you. Those are the signs that are following me. When she told me about the story, I was like, who? Did I pray for them? Say yes. Me? Says, yes, you did. And I said, oh, wow. Those are the signs that will follow you. All you have to do is to obey. Lay hands on the sick, and the sick will find you with their testimonies, with their signs, and with their wonders. So as you go out into the world, man, don't be intimidated. God has said all you have to do is lay hands. Yeah, that's it. Hallelujah. Amen. The second thing I want to... Uh, there are only two reasons really why uh, 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 praying for the sick fails. And the first one is unbelief. Go to Mark chapter number 6 verse 5. Unbelief. There are only two reasons that can stop the power of God. Mark chapter number 6 verse 5. Watch what it says. And speaking about Jesus, he could there do no mighty work except or save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Next verse. And he marveled because of their what? Notice verse 5 says there he could not do anything. God wanted to do something, but there he couldn't. You know why? Because of their unbelief. Unbelief stops the flow of the power of God. All you have to do is believe. Believe in what? Believe in the finished work of the cross. Believe Jesus Christ did it. Believe if you lay hands on, those, on the sick, then they'll, re, they'll recover. Uh, 
and operate in that. What's the cure for unbelief? He tells you. And he went round about the villages doing what? The cure for unbelief is teaching. When you get understanding, unbelief leaves. Amen? The second thing we need to deal with is... uh, In fact, before we deal with that, let's go to Mark chapter number 9, verse 23. Mark chapter number 9, verse 23. This is Jesus dealing with the father of the child who had a deaf and dumb spirit. You remember the story? And it says in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. How many things are possible to him who believes? All of them. Next verse. And straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. He said, Lord, I what? But watch what he said right after that. He said, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Or in other words, Lord, I believe, but please help with my unbelief. Here's something that you need to catch. Faith and unbelief can coexist. Unlike light and darkness. What gets you results is the purity of your faith. Without unbelief. Most people believe they are going to be a successful uh, uh, entrepreneur. But they also know way too much why that can't be possible. So, Lord, I believe, but help my what? Because they, they coexist. Now, it depends which one is bigger. Whichever one is bigger will overwhelm the smaller one. You know, I prayed for, for this lady. She had this thing called the Lyme disease in the U.S. I was preaching out there, prayed for her, and she got healed. And all the symptoms were gone. And then two, three weeks later, the thing came back. And as we did, you know, the research and studies and talked to her husband and so on and so forth, we discovered, you know, the reason why it came back and why she was stuck there was because she had invested so much time in studying the sickness and the disease than what she had in studying God's Word. She knew a lot more reasons why she could not be healed and less reasons why she could be healed. I mean, she had joined the Facebook, uh, Facebook group where people about, talk about the disease. She had, you know, researched and Googled everything about the disease. In fact, here's a confession from some doctors. They'll tell you some of the sickness and disease uh, 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 ailments that the patients have. The patients can't get rid of it, and they know way too much than the doctor himself. They know more about the disease than the doctor himself. And remember what the Bible says about knowledge. It says, be what? Be wise in that which is good and simple. Or be a simpleton. Be a retarded in that which is evil. So you should invest your time in the word. And as you do that, your faith will begin to grow and it will overwhelm the unbelief. Hallelujah. Let's go now to Mark chapter number 7 verse 13 as we close. Is this helping someone? Mark chapter number 7, verse 13. Watch what it says. It says, making the word of God of none effect, 
through your tradition, which you have delivered, and many such like things do ye. One of the ways to stop the flow of the power of God is traditions of man. Always go with the gospel, always go with the word, and not the traditions. Even the traditions in the church. You know, I was reading some weird story, and I mean, I love America. I love the, you know, people that have come out of America preaching the gospel. But I'll tell you this, America has exported a lot of bad stuff when it comes to church and the gospel. They were talking about armor bearers. I was reading this article, talking about, man, I went into my Bible, looked for the phrase armor bearer. You know, with these new Bibles, you can go to the Bible and just type armor bearer. You should be able to get a scripture or something. There was nothing. Just a tradition of man that keeps people busy but ineffective when it comes to the real things. Okay, moving right along. One of the traditions that has stopped people from getting healed is the thinking that God uses sickness and tribulation to teach his children. Let's go to Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 3. Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 3. Watch what it says. Speaking about Jesus. Who being the brightness of his glory. Jesus is the brightness of his glory. Amen. And the express image of his person. I want you to uh, uh, keep that phrase in your mind. Let's go to the NIV. I want you to see what it says. He says the sun. Who might be the sun? Jesus, right? He says the sun is the radiance of God's glory. Man, that's strong. And the what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. He says Jesus is the exact, not an estimation or an approximation. Jesus is the exact representation of his being. In other words, if you see Jesus, you have seen the Father. Now, you tell me when in Jesus' ministry he ever used sickness to teach people life lessons while he walked on earth. The Samaritan woman, right? That would have been a perfect opportunity. If that's God's modus operandi, that would have been a perfect opportunity in John chapter number 4. The Samaritan woman, she had five husbands and none of them were hers. Come on, it would have been a perfect opportunity for God to smite her with leprosy. Just bow! Jesus, what are you doing? I'm teaching her a lesson. But what did Jesus do? He extended mercy. Because God's MO, God's modus over all the time is to treat us and relate to us through grace and mercy. And goodness. And remember the Bible says in Romans 4, 2, it is the goodness of God that brings men to repentance. Jesus extended goodness to her. And you know what she did? She was she repented and went and preached to the whole city. And became a mighty, powerful woman of God, turning upside down the whole city. How did he get her to do that? By extending goodness. So God does not, someone say God does not, use sickness and disease 
to teach you something. Shout sickness is an oppression from Satan. Man, sickness will steal your time. Sickness will steal your money. Sickness will steal your dreams. Sickness will mess up your life. It is not from God. It is not a gift. It is not a blessing. Jesus redeemed you from all sickness. Hallelujah. And the second one is that you need a special gift to pray for the sick. Mark chapter number 16 verse 17 just said, Hey, all you have to do is to become a believer. And you can lay hands on the sick. And what will happen to the sick? They will recover. Amen. A few years ago, my wife and I went to pray for uh, this elderly gentleman. He was sick, you know. And he had uh, pain in his body and he had, he had a stroke. He couldn't move. So we went to pray for him. And as we went to, to pray for him, uh, we got there and my wife asked him, Hey, Daddy, are you saved? Before we pray for you, we want to know if you're saved or not. And uh, we found out, you know, he was uh, saved because the wife looked at him and said, yeah, answer that. <laughs> I think she had been trying to get him saved for a long time. She's like, yeah, answer that question. Are you saved? <laughs> you know? And then we prayed for him. And when we prayed for him, nothing happened to the physical eyes. The only thing that happened was that he asked for water. And guess what? If it was on us, here's the problem. If you're going to pray for people and you put the pressure on you, it's always going to stop the flow of the power of God. Because it's not on you. See, if you look at you and what you have done, and man, you ain't done nothing lately. <laughs> man, if you look to you, you, you have problems. You have in, 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 inadequacies. All you have to do is to look unto God. And when you lay your hands on the sick, don't try to use physical eyes to see if something happened. Something has happened in the spiritual realm. So don't walk out thinking, oh, nothing has happened. No, something has happened. Because within seven days, they called us and they told us, hey, the man is now walking. He can use his body parts. After two, three weeks, he was now going for a vacation with his children. And he had forgotten about the stroke. The man couldn't walk. And they had flew him in into the country on a private plane, you know, and the family, the kids were coming out to say their goodbyes. That's how terrible the situation was. But when you choose to just obey God and do the foolish things of God which confound the wise, God will come through and people's lives will be changed. Yeah. He says believers shall lay hands on the sick. All believers have to do is lay hands on the sick. Yeah. All you have to do is, he didn't even say you should pray. Did you read that? He said, all you have to do is lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Amen? And when the pain comes, I want you to speak to me. Say, I command you to go. You don't have to use these words. You can use your own words, but tell it to go. Whatever you do, use the authority that is on the inside of you to tell it to leave your body. And continue to thank God for your healing. Amen. And if you got healed instantly, we know you got healed instantly. I want to invite you and encourage you to share the testimony with us. Remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you and have a great day.